Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. God is witness, Genesis 31.1. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, Genesis 31.1, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all this wealth. Now, I will say this, this is not in my script or in my notes, but I will say this, that it does seem like the Jewish people get blamed for a lot of things. There seems to be a lot of conspiracies against the Jewish people, like they're to blame for this and they're to blame for that. And maybe this is an early picture of that. It's all Jacob's fault. Jacob is the one who stole everything away from Papa. Well, I don't think so. I think actually the opposite is true. I think that your dad has actually been a thief, and he's been trying to steal everything away from Jacob. And while Jacob was a conniver over these last 20 years, being under servitude of Laban, Jacob is a changed man, and we're going to see that in this chapter. He's not a perfect man. But he's a changed man. But Laban is a wicked man. And in fact, when Jacob and Laban had made a deal in the previous chapter, if you were here with us last Wednesday, what happened was they, they were talking about Jacob said, I want to leave. I want to go to my own land. I want to make my own way. And Laban started to try to negotiate with him and try to keep him there. And, and finally, J Jacob said, okay, look, here's what we'll do. I'll take the speckle, speckled and the spotted. And, and he made this what seemed like a terrible deal for Jacob. But what happened was, even after they made the deal and what appeared to be a deal much in Laban's favor, in fact, once the deal was spoken out, Laban said, great, that's wonderful. What a fool. <laughs> As he he was walking away but then Laban had the gall to go through the flock and actually take the few out that Jacob said were for his wages and he gave them to his sons and do you remember his sons went several miles away so that no one would know what Laban was up to and the sons had that flock and they had the care of that but here they're gathered together I don't know if Jacob overheard this as sometimes we'll overhear people talking and Here's what they were saying. They were saying it's all Jacob's fault, all his fault. And Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, verse two, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. ESV says Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. I'm not sure that Laban ever regarded Jacob with favor, but I am sure that Laban really liked what Jacob produced for him. And I think that's why he came across the way that he did. He appreciated the blessings that he got because Jacob was around. But I don't think he really liked Jacob too much. And we're going to see that as we move on in the text. Jacob is going to have to be released from Laban. You and I have been released from the law. Let's go to, let's hold our place in Genesis and move over to the book of Romans for a second. I'm going to make a couple of theological applications just so we can rest in this reality that we've been released, and the first one is Romans 7. Romans 7, Paul is, uh, his subject matter is the law, and that is really captured in the Ten Commandments. We all have sinned and we all fall short of the law. We all fall short of God's commandments. We've all sinned, 
And here's what he says. This is Romans 7. Let's pick it up at verse 4. He says, therefore, my brethren, Romans 7, 4, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, Romans 7, 4, that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now, Romans 7, 6, we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Notice that we have been what? Released from the law. I'd like you to turn to Revelation chapter one. What does that mean for us now that we've been experienced this release? It means that the law can no longer condemn us. You know that? Theologically speaking, as you look at how you stand in Christ, Revelation 1 is the next one. The law can no longer condemn you. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law, because Jesus was condemned in our place, because the innocent one, the just for the unjust, he dealt with our sin to bring us to God. That's what the Bible teaches. That's your standing now in Jesus Christ is forgiven, not because you keep the law every day. Nobody can keep the law perfectly. If you could, you'd be loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength every day, and you'd be loving your neighbor as yourself every day. That means if some of you go out to frozen yogurt after this Bible study, you better buy one for your neighbor. And I'm talking about your next door neighbor, the one that bugs you. No, I'm, I'm just kidding around, but anyway. But look, we don't always live out the law perfectly. That's why Jesus Christ died for us. That doesn't mean we don't try to live it out, but it means now we can do it by the Spirit. If you look at Revelation 1, look at verse 3, Revelation 1, 3. If you're having trouble locating the book of Revelation, we'll talk later, but it is the last book of your Bible. I'm just kidding. Some of us are getting used to our Bibles, I know. Blessed is he, Revelation 1, 3, uh, who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and what did he do? And released us from our sins by his own blood. Now, Romans 7, 6 says we're released from the law. Revelation 1, right here, verse 5, says that we're released from our sins by his blood. And notice what he's done. He has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. All God's people said, amen. That's what he's done for you. He's released you. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Now, release, being released from the, the law of sin and death, the weight of the law has happened in Jesus Christ. But walking in the reality of that release is not always easy for Christians. Walking in the reality of who you are in Christ, what scholars like to say is, we're trying to catch up practically to what we are positionally. 
we are trying to live out who, what we are in Christ and how God sees us in our everyday lives. And one of the most difficult things for Christians is to understand your identity in Christ and to really, truly rest in that. You see, release equals rest. And tonight, you know, there's a lot of people, and they're not just outside the Christian church. We all can struggle with issues that we still have and breaking free of even things in the past and sometimes even understanding God's love for us. But we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And this whole scene is a picture of our redemption as well. Now, Jacob knew that he had to get out. He knew that Uncle Laban's attitude towards him was changing, and this does happen sometimes when things change, when the winds of life shift sometimes, and maybe you're not doing everything for a person that they think you should be doing. Sometimes people's attitudes toward us change, and Jacob saw that. He saw that he wasn't uh, getting the, the favorable looks from Uncle Laban anymore. Maybe the smiles early in the morning. Maybe he wasn't offering him coffee first thing in the morning anymore. And uh, Jacob knew it was time, trouble was brewing and it was time to exit stage left. Trouble was brewing in River City, if you want to put it that way. And it was time to go. It was time to get out. Uncle Laban's attitude towards Jacob was changing. But God's attitude towards Jacob would not change. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, Jacob, that's why you're not consumed. Malachi 3.6. The Bible gives us a promise in Hebrews 13.5 and 6, and it says that the Lord is the one who will never leave us or forsake us. That That way we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord will never forsake his people. And it goes on to say, right in that same section, I paraphrased Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It says in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His attitude towards you doesn't change just because you have a bad day, just because you lack some faith. You have been released from your sins in his own blood. Do you believe that? It is finished. It's paid in full. But the release from Laban being a kind of a picture of our own redemption doesn't mean that the Christian life is going to be easy. There's still gonna be Labans in your life and you're gonna have to be break, break free of them. And even when Jacob eventually gets free of Laban, he still has his brother Esau waiting in the wings, if you will. And he doesn't know what to expect of Esau either. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that life won't have its challenges and troubles. It's Laban's and Esau's. Even with the blessing of God on your life, it doesn't mean that all your problems go away. Pastor Michael, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know you all wanted the magic pill tonight. Just become a Christian and everything's fine. But that's not the way it works. So the Lord said to Jacob, 31.3, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives. And here's the, the blessing of it all. And I will be with you. God said, return. I think maybe after overhearing the brothers talk and 
knowing that Laban's attitude towards Jacob had changed, that Jacob probably spent some time in prayer. And this is about what we should do when things are going on in our lives. And I think God gave him a word. God said, it's time to go. It's been on your heart to go, it's time to go. And God confirmed the word. He said, return to the land of your forefathers. Return to the land that I gave to Abraham and to Isaac. Here's a practical application. How do we know when it's time to go, to move, to change course? This is a few thoughts. First, it needs to be something God has birthed in your heart. It needs to be something that God is doing, not something that you are manipulating of your own, but something God is doing. Second, it should be confirmed circumstantially. If it is a real call from God, the circumstances will eventually bear that out. I'm not saying that number two is always easy to see, but I think circumstantially God will confirm things to you. I could come out with some practical expedients like your uncle uh, wants your own demise, something like that. That'd be pretty obvious, right? We look for confirmation from God through his word and by those we trust. When Jacob talks to his wives later on, he's gonna call them out to the field and they're gonna bear witness that it's time to go. So you need something that God has birthed in your heart. You need it confirmed by the word of God. And you need trustworthy persons around you who, not, who will not tell you what you want to hear, but will actually pray and use biblical wisdom. And that's when you know that God is probably directing your course. Romans 12, 1 and 2 gives us a formula as well. It says, to present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our reasonable service in view of his great mercy. And we'll be able to find out as we are not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. You want to know God's will for your life? Have your mind transformed. Be in your Bible and you'll begin to think his thoughts about life and direction. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah, verse 4, to his flock in the field. I think he tried to get some distance from the rest of the family, and said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. Jacob said, your your dad's attitude toward me has changed, but God has been with me. And no matter how the winds blow in your life, brothers and sisters, no matter if people's attitudes towards you change, God loves you. His love for you is not conditional. His lo- if his love for you was conditional, he wouldn't have chose you. Amen? His love for you is based upon a decision that he made. He decided to love you. Not because I was so lovable, but because God is good. Not because Jacob was so lovable, I mean, if if God had the pick of the people on the planet at the time, Jacob was not the most, uh, you know, righteous dude on the planet, amen? He wasn't the man with the highest integrity, but he was God's choice. And the Bible says, for us as believers, God has chosen us. So Jacob shares this. He goes, look, your dad's attitude's changed, but God has been with me, and God is faithful. 
And you know that I have served your father with all my strength. Now, it's always good when you could say to your family, you know what I've done and back it up by actually what's happened. If these were hollow words, if every time the wives had walked by Jacob, he was kicking back and not doing the work that he had agreed upon with Uncle Laban, then they wouldn't have borne witness. But he said, look, you know, I've served your dad with everything that I have. Here's an application point for us as Christians. We're called to work hard. We're not called to work, um, you know, ridiculous hours at our job. We're not called to be a doormat for people, but we are called to be people of integrity. And this is something that I think, this is a work that God had done in Jacob's life. Jacob had learned to work hard. And he said, I I gave everything to your dad. And look, there were many days and many nights when Jacob could have said, you know what, this guy is a jerk. You know, he doesn't deserve my best. You ever been there before? (laughs) Some of you may have employers right now where you're thinking those kinds of thoughts. Uh, I'll tell a personal story here because it may have some value to some of you. I've been fired from one job in my life, and I deserve to be fired. And I uh, was a little bit out of high school, and I had grown up in a pizza parlor. My family had chains of pizza restaurants, and I was getting some supplemental income, and I decided to work at this little takeout pizza parlor, and it was pretty much a one-man show. They wanted you to answer the phone, make the pizza, work the counter, and I just wasn't keeping up because when I showed up there, I didn't even really want to be there. And they noticed, and they fired me. And I was like, oh, who, me? No, I, well, uh, but I really had nothing to say. They were actually right. And you know what? Some of those lessons in our lives can be really good for us. Because if you get fired from a job, you know what it does? It causes you to do some soul searching. And maybe you have to do some business with yourself and say, you know what, what was I not doing that these people saw that was an issue? And in this case, it was probably most of what I was not doing at that job. (laughs) But Jacob goes on to say, he says, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times. However, would you notice, God did not allow him to hurt me. In verses 4 through 16, the dialogue between Jacob and his wives, God is brought up seven times in the conversation. Each time Jacob points out something that was a wrong in his life, something that was done that wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't treated fairly or well, he always falls back to God, what God did for him. And I think we need to do that. I think when we can, we can go down a list sometimes, and some of you may really relate to this. You go down a list, maybe you come to the end of your day, and you go, well, this didn't go right, and that didn't go right, and this and that person. And you go down this list, and that, that person looked at me with a cross eye, and I got cut off on the freeway, and I got to the frozen yogurt. They're out of my flavor. There's frozen yogurt again. I must want it <laughs> later, right? And you're kind of like, well, is anything good happening in your life? I mean, you live in America. You did have a car to drive there. You had the money to buy the yogurt. I mean, you want to talk about some good positive things? No. 
I'll tell you later. You know, from the front row here, there was a, a question about a favorite flavor. Uh, it's happened that I've said some things from the pulpit and then quickly things end up in my office, so. Uh, but I don't wanna do that right now. <laughs> he says, look, your dad's been unpredictable, but God has been predictable. Your dad has changed, but God doesn't change. You know, I look at the landscape of our world. I look sometimes at the blowing winds of uh, even the life of the church, and it's like we want to change with every wind of doctrine. Oh, oh, these people think that, then oh, we better change. These people think that, we better change. Look, some change is good, but there's change that's not good. If it's change for the sake of change, and it's not based upon what God wants, that's an issue. And so God says to us as New Testament Christians, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. This is who you are. You've been called out of darkness into light. You are to proclaim his excellencies, but still understand, watch out for your flesh. Because the things of the world and your flesh, they'll wage war against your soul. So look at verse eight. If he spoke... If he spoke thus, and Jacob's now talking about their father, Laban, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke this way or thus, the striped shall be your wages, Laban speaking to Jacob, then all the flock brought forth striped. So, you know, uh, Jacob had mentioned that Laban had changed his wages 10 times. And I think this, is, this explains it. And here's what it was. Laban would say, okay, uh, this week the speckled will be your wages and then all of a sudden the flock produced all kinds of speckled and Laban went, hmm, a lot of speckled around here. You know what, I'd like the speckled for myself. I'll tell you what, Jacob, let's have another meeting. Come into my office. This week the stripe shall be your wages and then the flock would start producing the stripe. And that may be an oversimplification of time, but anyway, that's what was happening. And so each time a pronouncement was made by Laban, it would fall into Jacob's favor, and then Laban would try to take Jacob's blessings. And he changed the wages 10 times. But each time, God said, no, I'm gonna bless Jacob. Look at verse nine. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. Jacob saw the hand of God and the blessing of God on his life. Now, how do you think the two sisters are going to respond to Jacob? Jacob saying, God has done this. And it came about at that time when the flock were mating, Jacob's now gonna tell about a, a dream that he had, that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. 
And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I've seen all that Laban has been doing to you. Sometimes when we're going through stuff in life, we feel like, you know, this person's getting the upper hand in my life, and does God see what that person's doing? And God says, Jacob, I see everything. And by the way, just Bible students, here's a side note. The angel of God, look at verse 11, is God in verse 13. And oftentimes when you see an appearance of this angel of the Lord or sometimes hear the angel of God, it is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, what we might call Christ before the manger. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here and please keep us in prayer. We have some uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.com. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just a extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but we know you listen and we know you're praying for us and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We, we deeply appreciate it. And we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family. And we, we appreciate you and we look forward to interacting with you again. If we can be of any help to you, send us an email or a message through the website livingtruthcorona.org or you can call us Monday through Friday we're here 9 to 5 Pacific time at 951-735-2856 God bless you thank you for listening and we'll catch up to you next time Thank you for listening to today's broadcast Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.